Salah is the most important pillar of Islam after Iman or faith. Salah is the Arabic term for the Muslim prayer which is commonly known as Namaz in Urdu. Today Dr. Zakir will present the Islamic perspective and concept of Salah and its objectives in his talk on Salah, the programming towards righteousness. Brothers and sisters, Dr. Zakir Naik. Alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalam, ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi, wa sahabi ajmain. Amma abad, auz billahi minash shaitanir rajim, bismillahir rahmanir rahim, utlu ma uhiya ilayka minal kitabi, wa akim salata, inna salata, tanha anil fashai wal munkar, bismillahir rahmanir rahim, rabbish ruhali sadri, wa yisilli amri, my respected elders and my dear brothers and sisters, I welcome all of you with the Islamic greetings. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May peace, blessings, and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be on all of you. The topic of this morning's talk is Salah. The programming towards righteousness. Most of the people, they translate Salah into English as the prayer. The prayer is not the exact translation of the Arabic word Salah. Because to pray means to beseech, to ask earnestly. Like how you pray or beseech in a court of law. To pray means to supplicate, to ask for help. The dua is the supplication, the prayer. Salah is not merely to pray. It means much more than that. Because in Salah, besides asking for help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we Muslims, we also praise Him. We also receive guidance from Him. And the Salah simultaneously is a sort of programming. It is a conditioning. Or in layman's terminology, it is brainwashing. But if someone is going to offer Salah, and if a person asks him, that where are you going? And if he says he's going for brainwashing, or if he's going for programming, it will sound odd. Therefore, I personally do not mind if people use the word prayer for the Arabic word Salah. But they should remember that Salah is much more than merely to pray. The moment you hear the word programming, you start thinking of a computer. If you allow me to call the human being a machine, I would say it's the most complicated machine on the face of the earth. It is much more complicated than the most advanced computer in the world. And we human beings, we are the Ashaful the best of creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Holy Quran says 
in Atin, chapter number 95, verse number 4. لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِينَ That verily, we have created the human beings in the best of molds. The psychologists, they tell us that our mind is not directly under our control. The body is directly under our control. If I want to lift my hand, I can lift it. If I want to bring it down, I can bring it down. If I want to take a step forward, I can take it. The body is directly under our control. But the mind is not directly under our control. Therefore, most of us, we might have experienced that while we offer salah, our mind keeps on wandering. And suppose, if a student, after appearing for his examination, if he offers salah, he starts reviewing his examination paper in the salah. He starts thinking that the answer I gave to question 2, instead of this, I should have written that. If a businessman offers salah, he starts thinking that how much profit have I made today? How much goods did I sell? If a housewife, if she offers salah, she may start thinking that what should I cook for my husband? Should I cook biryani or should I cook pulao? It's very common that during salah, our mind keeps on wandering. Why does the mind wander? The reason is because our mind is empty. And a mind cannot remain empty. Therefore, it wanders. Most of the Muslims, they know the basic things that we recite in our salah. The Surah Fatiha and the few verses of the Holy Quran or the short surahs of the Holy Quran which we recite in the salah. We Muslims, we recite it so mechanically that even if you wake up a Muslim from the middle of his sleep and ask him to recite Surah Fatiha, he can do it 100 miles per hour. It's mechanical. And because it is mechanical, only a minute portion of a mind is utilized in reciting the mechanical portion, which we know by heart. That is Surah Fatiha and the other verse of the Holy Quran. Most of us Muslims, since we are non-Arabs, we don't understand Arabic as a language. And because we don't understand what we are reciting in our salah, there are high possibilities of our mind wandering. Therefore, to prevent our mind from wandering, we should recite the Arabic portion and simultaneously recall the meaning of the things you are reciting in the salah. If you know English, recall the English translation. If you know Urdu, recall the Urdu translation. If you know Hindi, recall it in Hindi. If you know Marathi, recall it in Marathi. If you know Gujarati, recall it in Gujarati. Recall the meaning of the things you are reciting in the language you understand best. For example, when we recite Surah Fatiha, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, in the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. 
Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Praise be to Allah, the Lord of the worlds. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Most merciful, most gracious. Maliki Yawmiddin. The master of the day of judgment. Thee alone we worship, thee alone we ask for help. Show us the straight path. The path of those who have earned thine favor and of those whose path is not wrought, nor who go astray. When we recite the Surah Fatiha or the other verses in Arabic, simultaneously recall the meaning and your mind will not wander. Because again your mind is occupied in recalling the meaning of the Arabic portion that you are reciting in your Salah. But after a few weeks or few months, even this becomes mechanical. Your mind is very powerful. You recite the Arabic portion and recall the meaning because the mind is very powerful and again there are chances your mind will divert. But there are less chances because a little portion of your mind is occupied in reciting the Arabic portion and another portion of your mind is occupied in recalling the meaning. There are less chances it will divert but yet it may wander. To prevent your mind from wandering besides reciting the Arabic portion and recalling the meaning, you should even concentrate on what you are reciting and recalling. A human being cannot concentrate 100% on two different things. He can concentrate 50% on two different things or 80%, 20%. But 100% on two different things he can't concentrate. So the more you concentrate, the less your mind will wander. So to prevent your mind from wandering, you should recite the Arabic portion, recall its meaning and concentrate on the meaning. Then inshallah, your mind will not wander. I start my talk by quoting a verse from the Holy Quran, from Surah Ankabut, chapter number 29, verse number 45, which says, Utlu ma uhiya ilayka min al-kitabi waqim salata inna salata tanha anil fasha evil munkar which means recite of what we have sent by inspiration of the book to thee and establish regular prayers for verily prayers restrain you from shameful and unjust deeds the holy quran says that salah restrains you from shameful and unjust deeds as i mentioned earlier salah is a sort of programming it's a programming towards righteousness. And we Muslims, we are programmed five times a day in our salah. And we ask for guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ihdina surat al-mustaqeen. Show us the straight path. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the answers. He programs us towards righteousness. For example, the imam. After Surah Fatiha, he may recite Surah Maida, chapter number 5, verse number 90, which says, Ya ayyuhal lazina amun, O you who believe, innam al-khamru al-maythiru, 
most certainly intoxicants and gambling. Well, Ansab wal Azlam, dedication of stones, divination of arrows, Rishfum min amali shaitan, these are Satan's handiwork. Abstain from these handiworks that you may prosper. Here we are being programmed in the Salah that you should abstain from intoxicants, from gambling, from idol worship, from fortune telling, because these are Satan's handiworks. The Imam, he may recite after Surah Fatiha, Surah Maida. Chapter number five, verse number three, which says, "Hurmat alaykumul maytudu waddamu walahmul khinzir, wama ahulali gairillabi." Forbidden for you for food are dead meat, blood, the flesh of swine, and any food on which any name besides Allah has been invoked. Here we are being programmed in the salah that the food that you should never have, the forbidden foods are dead meat. Blood, the flesh of swine, and any food on which any name besides Allah has been invoked on it. We are being programmed towards righteousness. The Imam, after Surah Fatiha, he may recite Surah Al Isra, chapter 17, verse number 23-24, which says that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has ordained for you that you worship none but Him, and that you be kind to your parents. And if any one of them, or both of them, reach old age, do not say a word of contempt. Don't even say off to them. But address them with humility, and lower your wing of kindness to them, and pray to the Lord that have mercy on them as they cherished me in childhood. We are being programmed that we have to be good to your parents. And if any one of them, or both of them, reach old age, yet you should not even say off to them. We are being programmed in our salah. The computer normally requires programming only once, but since the human mind has a free will of its own, which the computer doesn't have, the human beings have to be programmed regularly. Because the amount of wrong things we see around us in the society, like eavesdropping, bribing, cheating, robbing, alcoholism, drug addiction, molestation, there are high chances that our mind can get deprogrammed. Therefore, we have to be kept on being regularly programmed to keep us on the Sirat al-Mustaqim. On the straight path. Some people may ask that why don't you offer salah only once? Why offer five times a day? For a healthy body, a human being requires minimum three meals a day. If he has one meal a day, he will not have a very healthy body. Similarly, for a spiritual soul. A human being requires minimum five times of programming, five times of salah. One is not sufficient. That's the reason we Muslims we offer salah five times a day. The Jews they offer prayers three times a day, which is also mentioned 
in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, chapter number 6, verse number 10. We Muslims, we offer minimum five times Salah every day. And it's a commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which has been given to all the Muslims. And it's mentioned in the Holy Quran in Surah Hud, chapter number 11, verse number 114. In Surah Isra, chapter 17, verse number 78. In Surah Taha, chapter number 20, verse number 130. And Surah Rum, chapter number 30, verse number 17 and 18. These few verses of the Holy Quran, they instruct the Muslims to offer Salah five times a day. The five daily Salahs which we Muslims should offer are the Fajr Salah, which begins from any time between the break of dawn till just before sunrise. The second is the Zuhar Salah. After the sun reaches its highest point, from the decline of the sun till the midpoint between noon and sunset. Third is the Asar Salah. After the Zuhar Salah ends, until just before sunset. The fourth is the Maghrib Salah. Immediately after sunset, till the end of twilight. And Isha Salah, immediately after twilight, it can be offered till the beginning of dawn but it is preferable to be offered before 12 in the midnight. A Muslim should offer Salah minimum five times a day. And when we offer Salah, and before we enter the mosque, we Muslims, we remove our footwear. And this was the same commandment which was given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Musa alayhi salam. Moses peace be upon him, which is mentioned in the Holy Quran in Surah Taha, chapter number 20, verse number 11 and 12. When he approached the fire, he heard a voice, O Moses, verily I am thy Lord. Put off thy shoes, for thou art in the sacred valley of Tua. This was the commandment given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Musa alayhi salam. A similar message is mentioned in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, chapter number 3, verse number 5. It says, He, Lord Almighty, says to Moses, Draw not nigh hither, take off thy shoes from thy feet, for thou art on sacred grounds. A similar message is repeated in the book of Acts, chapter number 7, verse number 33. The Lord tells to Moses, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for thou art on sacred ground. And we Muslims, we are even given the option to wear the shoes when we enter the mosque or when we offer salah by our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Our beloved Prophet said, but when you wear the shoes, the soul should be clean. And it's mentioned in Abu Dawood, volume number one, in the book of Salah, Kitabu Salah, chapter number 240, hadith number 652, the prophet said, 
be different than the Jews. For they always, during prayer, remove their shoes or sandals. It's also mentioned in Abu Dawood, volume number one, in the Kitab al-Salah, chapter number 240, hadith number 653, that Amr bin Shweb, on the authority of his father, said that his grandfather said, I saw the Prophet pray both barefooted and with sandals. The reason we Muslims, we take off our shoes before we enter the mosque or for salah or clean the soles of our shoes is because we are hygienic people. We want to keep our place of worship clean. Before we offer salah, there is a call for prayers. And in different religions, you have different ways of calling people to come to prayer. For example, the Jews, they use the trumpet, as it's mentioned in the Bible, in the book of Numbers, chapter number 10, verses 1 to 3, Lord spake to Moses and told him to make two trumpets of silver and to use it to call the assembly. The Christians, they use the church bell. Some tribes, they use the drum. In Islam, we use the human voice. And the call for prayer is called as Adhan. And the person who gives the Adhan is called a Mu'addin. The human voice is much more melodious and soothing as compared to trumpet, bell or drum. And there is a much better impact on the human being. There are many non-Muslims who have reverted to Islam only by hearing the Adhan. They were so impressed with the melodious Adhan which had a tremendous effect on their heart, mind and soul that they accepted Islam. But unfortunately, all the Adhan that we have in Bombay they aren't as melodious as they should be. And they cause more inconvenience to the human beings than tranquility. Therefore, I request all the Muaddin that they should hear the Adhan of the Harmain Sharif, Masjid Nabi in Medina and Masjid Haram in Makkah, as an example of what Adhan should be like. Besides the Adhan, being melodious and soothing, it also carries a message. But unfortunately, most of the non-Muslims, they do not know what the message of the Adhan is. Last December, I had been to Kerala to attend a conference organized by the Muslims, in which they also invited a non-Muslim minister, who was giving a talk on the stage. And he was speaking a few good words about the Muslims and about Islam. And he said that we Indians, we are very proud of the Muslims. We are proud of the Mughal rulers, the amount of monumental buildings they made, the beautiful structures they made. No wonder you Muslims, you praise Emperor Akbar five times a day. 
it may sound like a joke, but it's very common that many non-Muslims think, especially of India, that we praise Emperor Akbar in the Adan and in our Salah. There are some non-Muslims who are impressed by the Western movies, which very often show the actor dressed up in an Arab garb, who's a villain, who's a terrorist. And before he draws out his sword, he says, Allahu Akbar. So non-Muslims think that Allahu Akbar is a war cry, which the Muslims give before killing the non-Muslims. It's the duty of every Muslim to clarify these misconceptions from the mind of the non-Muslims. And we should give the message of Adan. Tell them the translation of the Adan. That when we give the Adan and when we recite, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. It doesn't mean that we are praising Emperor Akbar or it's a war cry, but it means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest. Almighty God is the greatest. Allah is the greatest. Allah is the greatest. Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I bear witness that there is no deity but Allah. Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. I bear witness that Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I bear witness that Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hayya al-salah, hayya al-salah. Come for salah, come for salah, or come to prayer, come to prayer. Hayya al-salah, hayya al-salah. Come to success, come to success. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest. La ilaha illallah. There is no God but Allah. We have to explain the meaning of the Adhan to the non-Muslim. It is the duty of the Muslim that we deliver the message of Islam and explain about it to the non-Muslim. And before we offer Salah, we always have to do ablution. That is, we have to wash ourselves. That is, we have to do wudu. This is mentioned in the Holy Quran in Surah Maida, chapter number 5, verse number 6. That, Ya ayyuhal lazina amanu, O you who believe, when you prepare yourself for salah, wash your face and your hands and arms up to the elbow. Rub your head with water. And wash your feet up to the ankles. It's compulsory that every Muslim should do ablution, should do wudu before we offer our salah. And a similar message is given in the Holy Bible, in the book of Exodus, chapter number 40, verse number 31 and 32, that Moses and Aaron and their sons washed their hands and feet thereat. And they entered the temple of the congregation. And when they approached the altar, they washed as was commanded by the Lord to Moses.
a similar message is given in Acts chapter number 21, verse number 26. And Paul took the men away. And the next day, along with them, he purified himself and entered the temple. We Muslims, we do ablution. We wash ourselves. We do the wudu. Before we offer the salah, to keep ourselves clean. We are hygienic people. And besides keeping ourselves clean, the wudu is also a sort of psychological preparation, a mental preparation that we do before we communicate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our beloved Prophet said, it's mentioned in Sayyid Bukhari, volume number one, in the book of Salah, chapter number 56, Hadith number 429, that the earth is made as a place for me and my followers to do sujood, as a masjid. Masjid means a place to do sujood. Our Prophet said that the whole world, the complete earth is a masjid for the believers. But natural, the place where you offer your salah, where you do sujood, it should be clean. It's also mentioned in Sahih Bukhari, volume number one, in the book of Adan, chapter 75, hadith number 692. Anas, may Allah be pleased with him. He said that the companion, when they stood for salah, his shoulder touched with the shoulder of his companion, and his foot touched with the foot of his companion. A similar message repeated in the book of Salah in Abu Dawood in chapter number 245, hadith number 666. The beloved Prophet, before starting the Salah, he said, Straighten your rows, stand shoulder to shoulder, close in the gaps, and do not leave any opening for the devil. The Prophet was not referring to the devil, which you see in the Onida TV ad on the comic strip with two horns and a tail. The Prophet was referring to the devil of racism, of caste, of color, of wealth, irrespective whether black or white, whether rich or poor, whether king or pauper, to whichever family you may belong. When you stand for Salah, stand shoulder to shoulder. The basic method, the outline of offering salah is given in a nutshell in the Holy Quran. The Holy Quran says in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter number 2, verse number 144, that turn your face to the sacred mosque, wherever you are, Turn your face in that direction. It's compulsory that when we offer salah, we should face the Qibla, that's towards the sacred mosque, towards Kaaba. And in India, we Muslims, we have to face towards the West. And when I travel in India, if I don't know the Qibla, the direction, and if I have to ask a non-Muslim, I do not ask him where is the West. 
What I do is I ask him where is the east, and then I face in the opposite direction. Otherwise, he may think that we are worshiping the Western world. The Holy Quran says in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter two, verse number two thirty-eight, that when you stand for remembering Allah, stand in a devout frame of mind. The Holy Quran says, stand in a devout frame of mind when you offer salah. And reciting Surah Fatiha is compulsory in the salah. And it's also mentioned in Surah Al-Hijr, chapter 15, verse number 87, that we have sent to you the oft-repeated seven verses and the Grand Quran. The oft-repeated seven verses refers to Surah Fatiha, and it's also called as the Minor Quran. And the other portion of the Quran is called as the Grand Quran. It's compulsory that we should recite Surah Fatiha in every Salah. The word Ruku, that is bowing, is mentioned in the Holy Quran no less than 13 times. And the word Sujood, which is the best part of the Salah, is mentioned in the Holy Quran no less than 92 times. And it's mentioned in 32 different surah of the Holy Quran. And there is a separate chapter, chapter number 32, called as As-Sajda, the prostration. And the Holy Quran says in Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse number 43, Ya Maryam Muknutili Rabbiki Vazdudi Warkai Ma'arraki'in O Mary, worship thy loud devotedly. Prostrate thyself and bow down with those who bow down. The Holy Quran says in Surah Hajj, chapter 22, verse 77, Ya ayyuhallazina amunu, O you who believe, prostrate and bow down and humble yourself and do good deeds that you may prosper. Every prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he offered his prayer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he did sujood, he did prostration, all the prophets. And a similar message is also given in the Bible. If you read in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, chapter number 17, verse number 3 says, Abraham fell on his face. Book of Numbers, chapter number 20, verse number 6, Moses and Aaron fell on their face. Book of Joshua, chapter number 5, verse number 14, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. It's mentioned in the Holy Bible, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 26, verse number 39, that when Jesus, peace be upon him, goes to the garden of Gethsemane, he takes a few steps forward, falls on his face, and does prayer. All the prophets of Almighty God did the sujood for offering salah. And even an acrobat cannot do better than what we Muslims do. When the Bible says, fall on your face and pray to God, the way we Muslims do. The reason we do sujood is, as I mentioned earlier, the mind is not directly under our control. The body is directly under our control. And in order to humble the mind, you also have to humble the body. And there is no better way of humbling the body than to put the highest part of the body, the forehead, which also has the frontal lobe, of the brain, which is the most important organ, to the lowest part on the ground and then say, Glory be to Allah, the Most High. Glory be to Allah, the Most High.